and welcome to the Golden Age of Everything, the second episode. I'm your host, Andrew Carr. First off, from the corrections department, which, like everything else, is just me, I left out an important part of the rules for discussion topics, so I'm just going to go over them again. Every episode, I'll have a guest on, and he or she will come up with three specific topics to discuss. Each topic has to be a different type of entertainment, art, or pop culture, a band, a movie, a book, a specific song, just something like that. One of the topics must be new, like a recently released album or movie, and one must be old. The last one can be either. For both episodes we've done so far, that last one has been the real wild card. The guests have had trouble coming up with the third one, but I think in both cases it resulted in some of the better of the discussions that we've had. Uh, The most important rule, and really the whole point of this entire endeavor, is that for each of the three topics, the guest must have a story to tell, something personal, meaningful, and interesting. I'm interested in why we connect so strongly with different pieces of pop culture and why different people connect to different things. That's what I really want this show to be about. And this week, my guest was Dan Howell. He's another one of my favorite people, and we have a long shared history. This is Dan's first time on a podcast, and it was a big deal, which you'll hear starting right now. (laughs) That was the uh, inaugural toast for our second episode of the Golden Age of Everything. Uh... Well, I guess we can just start it off. Dan, how do we know each other? Um, well, we grew up together, I guess. Um, you're significantly older than me. Um, yeah. What's the age gap? What is it? What's the, uh, well, I'm 27, you're 21, right? Okay, yeah. So six, so years, six years older. Years. Um, we actually grew up going to the same church. Mm-hmm. Um, you were pretty close friends, I guess, with my older brother. Yeah. Um, you were in the most popular Christian rock band in town. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. I would definitely go that far. You clearly never saw John and Q Public or Happy Endings. <laughs> I may have saw you seen you open for one of those bands. I never opened for either one of those no. bands because, I don't know, we were popular among the high school age crowd, I think, but never much... Never much more popular than just kind of local. Well, um, yeah. I was a little boy in church and um, <laughs> looked up to you and your kind with the My guitars. Kind. And, um, you know, I uh, we started hanging out a little bit. I uh, describe you to people as both my, my, my oldest and my youngest friend uh, because... As far as people I hang out with and see on a regular basis now, you're by far the youngest in age, but I've also known you for the longest, probably. Um, I'm trying to figure out whenever... I think my first real memory of hanging out with you and just having you around and having it be fun was whenever you actually came. Uh, to, you know, Our old youth pastor, Ty, was doing some kind of Disciple Now weekend in yep. Marionville, his old church, oh, yeah. like small town, Missouri, home of the white squirrel. And he just brought you along. I don't even remember why he brought you uh, along. I was just, um, I was a little youth companion. I was all about it. I yeah. was, How old were you? Man, I was probably in the seventh grade. 
seventh grade. So I was probably a junior or senior in high school, like whenever we were kind of at the peak of the band being the main part of my life. And Ty brought us along to lead the lead worship and play a rock set and stuff. Ty was always kind of cool about supporting our band and everything. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so we would kind of hung out and tour Marionville to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but Dan uh, self-appointed himself as our bodyguard, our band's bodyguard. That's right. It's um, it's because of my stature and ability to thwart <laughs> off <laughs> wild fans of time of favor christian tween groupies <laughs> <laughs> you know what those did not exist as much as i wish they existed then they definitely did not exist is that what you got into it for oh absolutely <laughs> uh tween groupies for the lord that's what i was, that's what i lived for so yeah that we've been friends for a really long time and you know as we've gotten older and time has passed i think our interests uh have become remarkably similar yeah you know and uh kind of followed sort of the same path i guess yeah as far as pop culturally sure sure and uh i think we kind of reconnected what like two years ago maybe not that we ever weren't friends but we uh yeah yeah kind of started hanging out together outside of uh the church right let's say yeah because i kind of stopped going to church maybe you know five or six years ago and kept in touch with the people that wanted to keep in touch with me pretty much and you know dan was one of those people so uh one of the thing i would say the main thing that we bonded over whenever we started hanging out again so we went and had dinner at blue sesame and we basically bonded over podcasts absolutely <laughs> which had become a huge part of my life not doing and that came much later but they became a huge part of my life because i was allowed to wear an earbud at work and i had a lot of uh Oral time to pass. So I was not allowed to wear an earbud at work, but I still did. <laughs> you used to have hair down to your waist, right? That's how you were able to get away with it. Down, down to my shoulder blades, I'd say, and uh, yeah, just very neatly covered up the earbud at work at a Kmart. <laughs> Kmart. <laughs> Fortunately, you've managed to move on from your retail job, whereas I'm still stuck working at the uh, same huge corporation that i've worked at for the past seven years and worked my way through college well you ought to do what i did (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about that (laughs) i've tried my best man i just can't make it happen (laughs) i could probably try a little harder give you a couple tips i was gonna say i think you tried a little bit harder than i did (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh so yeah this is a kind of i guess it's kind of a big deal although we aren't making a big deal about it but you know we're podcast buddies and we're doing a podcast together for the first time hopefully not the last i'm really excited about the podcast i've been listening to podcasts since i was just like a sophomore in high school so it's a big moment for me really first, I didn't this know is my first on. ever podcast oh yeah i used to live and listen to like all the kevin smith's podcast i mean I've been through a journey with podcasts. I think that I inter- did. I introduce you to WTF with Mark Maron. Yes, because that was my that was my uh, gateway podcast. Yeah, that was like two years ago. Um, you started talking about it. I had heard people talk about it on other podcasts, but man, that show just kind of changed my I know world. Mm-hmm. It yeah. did for me too. You know, made me a lot more open. Uh, last week we referenced the American podcast, which is no longer available, but there, there's no way any of the information that I <laughs> uh, shared in that particular show would ever, I, would, I wouldn't even have told anyone, let alone tell everyone that I knew. You didn't have any breakthroughs on that show? 
Uh, no, I didn't have any breakthroughs. That, that was more sharing the uh, revelations that I had after breakthroughs. Not, yep. I don't know. That there was no real revelations, but being open about some of the horrendous things that have happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think at last count, how many? Do you have an estimate of how many shows you follow? Um, right now I follow four shows. Four? Yeah. Wow. And that's down from at certain points in my life. I've, I think at one point I was listening to like ten. It was out of hand. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's take that out of hand and just. I'm looking at my <laughs> Beyond Pod app right now, which is like a it can consolidates all the podcast episodes you that are released each week. I follow uh 36 and I would say that I probably listen to every episode of at least 20. Wow. Yeah. But you got to figure that I have, you know, 40 hours a week. Well, not anymore cuz no. I got that new job. I'm working two jobs now. But, See, uh, I always catch on to podcasts really late. And then through from the beginning. So I've always got a good catalog to go through. Yeah. Like, you're a completist. I'm very much so a completist. I'm a little bit of a reformed completist. You know, I used to be that way, but there's just not enough time. Yeah. Uh, all right. I guess we can move on to the first thing that, you know, the idea is that the guest will pick three things. One of them new, one of them old, and they have to, have to be from a different medium of entertainment. But this one, we really, with the new ones, it kind of makes more sense to just say, hey, we're going to do this. You know, if we're both interested in seeing this movie or listening to this album. In this case, uh, we pretty much knew that we were going to watch The World's End, the new uh, Edgar Wright film. So Edgar, that's Edgar what Wright we did. joint. I want to know what your history is with these movies. How did you come? Did you see Shaun of the Dead first? Yes. Okay. How did you come to see that? Um, I had a buddy who was really into just zombie movies i mean i was what year did that come out like 2003 um i'm not sure go ahead with your story and i'll I think it came out check. in 2003 because i think i remember them talking about it being a decade old recently but okay. um uh so i was like 11 i probably didn't see it till i was like 12 or 13 but yeah i loved it um after that me and one of my buddies went and saw Hot Fuzz whenever it debuted in the theaters. Yeah. Um, got one of our dads to take us after school. 2004, we're getting confirmation that yeah. Shaun of the Dead came out. But uh, Hot Fuzz, I loved it as well. Um, uh, Scott Pilgrim came out, which you guys talked about um, on the last, last episode. Yeah, um, I hadn't read Scott Pilgrim before the film, but... Uh, I loved it. I mean, it was just like, it hit me, I think that was my junior year in high school, and was just like, that was a big movie for me. That was, yeah. that was, that was really. I wish we could have had you in here to talk about it, to get like the, pers- to get a perspective from someone who hadn't read the books. That would have been interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've read them now, um, and I still love the movie, um, yeah, I, I I think I think Edgar Wright put up against any other director who made his debut in two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Wipes them all away. Like he he has now four consistently very good movies. Um, I would say um, all of them of different genres. Um, 
you can definitely still see his style all over all of them. He's definitely an auteur, but he just... I th- I think he's killed it four yeah. times in a row now. Yeah, I I, mean, I, I agree one hundred percent. I'm not fully on board with Hot Fuzz, but it's like it's a four and a half star movie, whereas the rest of them are all five. You know, huh. it's not like it's bad. Yeah, it's still a great movie. I'd say it's probably my least favorite of his. Yeah, me too. But I still I mean, love it. You know, it's. <laughs> it, I think the only reason I, I always feel like I have to qualify it. You know, because it is great and people love it, and I always. I feel like I have to explain myself. I really don't. I mean, it just yeah. it's the most on the nose of all of them. It's anyway, uh, I first heard of Shaun of the Dead from just reading about it on like websites because it would play in festivals, you know, play mm-hmm. in film festivals. And obviously, we live in you know the nowhere Mecca, Springfield, Missouri, or nothing Mecca. Yeah, that was before our independent theater came to yeah, town totally. too. Very, very shortly before. Yeah, yeah. and. I wanted to see that movie so bad because all these websites have read about how great it was. But the thing was, it was kind of caught in limbo because, you know, it's a, technically it's a foreign film because it's mm-hmm. from Great Britain. And it, it its release was uncertain. Nobody really even knew if it was going to come out. Eventually, it did get picked up by Dimension or some studio. Yeah. But in the meantime, there was like six months where I knew about that movie and I just had no way to see it. And it, I mean, I probably could have pirated it, but I don't, I don't think I knew how at that point. I knew... And I don't know if I was into BitTorrent. I was way into Napster. I was like in like eighth grade and way into yeah. Napster. Yeah, you know? Napster, Kazaa. Oh, it, it, actually, now that I think about it, it could have been a speed issue, like a bandwidth issue. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. It would have just taken forever. But yeah, we never had the bandwidth yeah. to download full movies. Like mm-hmm. That wasn't happening. I know. It's crazy how easy it is now. <laughs> yeah, crazy. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, in reading about that, I read so many reviews of that movie before it came out. And in reading about it, I also learned about Spaced, you know, and uh, at the time, I think Shaun of the Dead had a DVD release date in the UK, but Space was already on DVD. And if you remember, Space didn't come out until like two or three years ago, maybe. It might have been a little bit longer. Yeah, it didn't come out here. So my solution wound up being buying an all-region DVD player. There you go. And I ordered Spaced. I also ordered the Guy Ritchie film Revolver. Which had oh, that was a here. good choice. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I you like Revolver? I, yeah, I do. Oh, I can't stand the British it. version. Is seven minutes longer. Oh, uh, I haven't seen the American version, but I liked it. I'm pretty sure I've only ever seen the American version. Oh well, who knows? It's been a year since I saw it, so maybe it's not good. I just remember thinking it was pretty cool. It's been since it came out since I saw it. So uh, okay. Well, anyway, that the stakes were so high when I watched Shaun of the Dead. At least they felt that way, you know, because I've been looking forward to it for so long, and uh, it finally came out on dvd here it, it played in theaters eventually in the states but i don't think it played in spring. no that's not true it played in branson it played in branson but at the time oh. i wasn't wasn't in a situation where i could drive out there to see a movie yeah. you know i would i would so do it now but i think then i had my horizons hadn't expanded enough to where i saw that as an option yeah it's like drive to branson to see a movie like now you know, I was in Portland, and the master was playing in seventy millimeter in Seattle, and it was a legitimate option. And then yeah. I had to sell my car. <laughs> 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 so that's what held me back. It was like I would have gone to see that movie yeah. in seventy millimeter. But anyway, so you know, things were a little bit different then. So that's where I'm coming from, going into that. And I love Shaun of the Dead. It didn't let me down when I watched it, and every time I watch it, I like it more. I feel like. Yeah, I I went into it pretty dry of expectations. I mean, I doubt I had seen the trailer by then. That was that was a year before Slash Film was even a sight. So oh, I wow. knew, yeah, Slash Film just turned eight years old a couple days ago. It's I didn't know that. Yeah, wow, that's so, awesome. It's the best movie blog ever. 
Okay. For any listeners? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm a big fan of. Well, I used to be a big fan of Shub.com, yeah. and but really now, the Dissolve kind of took over. Yeah. I mean, they got Matt Singer from Film, film Spotting SVU to do the news, and basically, aside from him, they got everyone that was writing for the a- writing about film for the AV Club. Yeah. And so. I don't know. That side's pretty much my go-to. I just always like slash film because it's so condensed and just like you can just scroll through really quickly, read what you want to, but you're learning just about everything. Yeah. Was, yeah. Everybody's got their site, man. Yeah. Every movie person has got their site. Mine was shut for the longest time, but yeah, I, I'm pretty pretty firmly into the Dissolve now, and yeah. I still check the AV Club every day. But This is the first time the desktop or like the home page on my internet browser has not been slash film.com. Really? What was the change like seven to? Years. Um, I actually changed it to foolsgold.com just uh, temporarily. Okay. Just to see when they were going to drop this album. Okay. We'll which get I may talk about later. But uh-huh. Cool. Well, we actually just got back maybe, I think our screening of this movie ended about an hour and 15 minutes ago. We went to see The World's End which is a new film from Edgar Wright, the uh, director of, you know, Shaun of the Dead, Hot All those Fuzz. movies we just yeah. talked about. So what, what were your initial thoughts coming out of it, Dan? I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great way to wrap up the Three Scoops Cornetto trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, just some really nice poignant moments in there, like just between um, Frost and Peg that I think uh, was really fitting into think what they were going for yeah it's uh it's this is so it's such an interesting thing to watch because we've we know what to expect from them now yeah was like this this basically has the same dynamic as Shaun of the dead where it sort of starts as a comedy and you gradually it gradually turns into something else mm-hmm. actually this one i don't know it, it started it was funny but it started pretty melancholy like right from the beginning yeah it's pretty melancholy yeah it's a it's actually kind of strange Shaun of the dead starts very early in the film letting you know that it's a horror movie yeah this movie takes just slightly longer before you really figure out that it's more of a science fiction and then hot fuzz you don't learn until like 30 minutes until the end of the movie yeah but they all kind of have that same structure like that yeah hot fuzz is a lot more heavy-handed about it too yeah that's that's part of the reason i don't like it nearly as much but yeah this one we pretty much expect from these guys, we expect these guys to create great characters and have stories that, you know, have actual themes and plots that make sense and aren't distracting. And mm-hmm. basically, they're really great at what we do. And yeah. so I walked away from this movie. I wasn't ecstatic like the way I walked out of Shaun of the Dead, but I didn't necessarily think that it was a worse movie than Shaun of the Dead. I really loved it. Yeah. But it didn't give me that elation that I did walking out of, you know, Shaun of the Dead and Scott Pilgrim to a lesser extent. Yeah. But I still really liked it. I, I honestly think that we may wind up saying this is the best one and a classic. I think so. You know, really that final scene. And I'm kind of, I'm wishy-washy on whether or not we should talk about spoilers for this movie. Uh, probably not, actually. Yeah. But the kind of the final confrontation, well, there's a couple final confrontations. Yeah. So both of those elevated to something really special. Yeah, you know? it, it, uh, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, though. It was great to see uh, Mark Heap in there. Uh, he hadn't been in any of the others. He's the dude who plays Brian on Space. Uh-huh. And he um, just did a bit part. Uh, Bilbo Baggins, uh, mm-hmm. Martin Freeman. Yeah, really good in that. He's in. He's in Shaun of the Dead, right? Yeah, he's just yes. just a bit yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, briefly. But yeah, everyone in it's great. The writing's great. It's shot great. You know, Edgar Wright has such great style. Like yeah. he is a stylist. 
Um, he's just so good at everything that he does. You know, that, that's the kind of thing. As a guy like Guy Ritchie, we just mentioned Guy Ritchie, and he's a stylist first and foremost. Yeah. You know, even his dialogue is stylish, the way the films are shot and the music and everything. Mm-hmm. I would say that Edgar, Wright, Edgar Wright's movies have like all the style of a Guy Ritchie movie, only not as overdone or not over, not overusing the same tropes over and over. And they also have stories and great characters. You yeah. Know? Um, does the same person edit all of his movies? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. All right. <laughs> we <laughs> can find out, but I, I don't really care that much, but they all have a very similar editing style. Yeah. Which I think has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. This one, another thing that I really loved about it is that there are nods to the previous movies and the, yeah. you know, they call it a trilogy. I get it sort of is, but yeah. I mean, yeah. The, there are not to those movies, but they aren't. It's not like a wink. They're not winking. They're not even that self-aware. Just some of the same things happen. Yeah, and it doesn't say, "Hey, look here." You know, that's that's one thing that I really, really appreciated. Is there's so many movies that overdo that kind of thing, and it'll it'll take you out of it. It's like no, they found ways to integrate little little uh, homages to their own movies. Is what it almost feels like, but it integrates them organically. Like it's not distracting in any yeah. way. I don't know. Yeah, and like just with some of your problems with um, Hot Fuzz, it really it up it kind of tackles some of the same themes as Hot Fuzz. I mean, and they're also some of the same themes of Shaun of the Dead, but um, really in a I think better way than at least Hot Fuzz. I I still don't know how I would compare it to Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to sit on this one for a while. Yeah, I don't I mean, know where it's going to It has land. been only an hour and 15 minutes <laughs> since we watched it. So that's, that's kind of the danger of doing it this quick. And uh, I've seen the other movies just multiple times. Like, yeah. Probably three times a piece. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Shaun of the Dead. I don't even know how many times I've seen it. But that one, it's kind of etched yeah. in my brain. Like, I'm never... It's never not going to be one of my favorite movies. Cool. Well, you know, I think we should move on. Um, Can we talk about what you think about Ant-Man real quick? Before sure. Before we do move on? Sure, sure. Wow, I was just talking about this with someone last night. I know it'll be great. I don't doubt it'll be great, but I wish someone other than Edgar Wright was doing it. I really do. <laughs> I wish he would. I wish uh, just like any of those guys, like Chris Nolan. Uh, you know, the Batman movies came out awesome, and they're kind of like the, the definitive yeah. dark superhero movies. But any of these guys, like these auteur filmmakers making big budget superhero movies. I wish that they'd just be doing their own projects. Like I wish they'd be doing the things that they wanted to do and doing things that are own, their own ideas instead of adapting other properties. Yeah. At the same time, I love that Edgar Wright did Scott Pilgrim. So yeah. I'm contradicting, contradicting myself as usual. So I'll watch it. I'll probably love it. But at the same time, I kind of wish that he'd do something that was a little more personal. Yeah. Maybe he'll make it personal. I, I don't know. How do you feel? I completely agree. Um, I mean, it's just kind of like... The last three of his movies, if you kind of presented them to me before they came out, I would say I'm very excited for them. Ant-Man, I'm not as excited as any of those movies, but I still, just like you know, it's going to be good. I mean... Yeah. Uh, It's more of a curiosity for me than an excitement, you know, and I'd rather be excited, you know? He's he's batting a thousand right now. I know he's batting a thousand. He's just... I'll say he's batting... 995 right. because I'm not fully on board. Is that the with five points on yeah. Hot Fuzz? <laughs> <laughs> That's the 0.005 points off for Hot Fuzz. All right. Anyway, so our the first thing Dan brought in slash we decided we were going to talk about uh, was The World's End. 
Directed by Edgar Wright, written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. Dan, what's the next thing you'd like to talk about? Um, the next thing I would like to talk about is um, a hip-hop album that came out recently uh, called Run the Jewels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Tell us about it. I will. Uh, Run the Jewels is a collaboration between uh, two rappers. Um, one of them, LP, who's based out of New York. Um, he's longtime hip hop producer, um, had his own production company, definitive Jux, back in, uh, uh, the early and late nineties. Um, and has just been, he, he's always been an incredible producer and, uh, has probably just in the last, last decade started to rap more and become yeah. known as a rapper. Um, the other one, Atlanta based rapper, killer Mike, um, who has also been around probably just as long as LP, um, had some features on the first couple Outcast albums, where he was always really good, um, and uh, has a pretty big catalog. Um, but both of them actually just last year put out albums, uh, LP's Cancer for Cure and Killer Mike's Rap Music, um, both of those albums produced by LP. Yeah. Both of those albums, those artists' most successful albums, um, probably my favorite of both of their albums, at least yeah. what I've heard. And we'll say 2012, probably the biggest rap albums that year. Yeah. Uh, rap Music. Absolutely. Cancer for Cure. Both. And Good Kid, Mad City by Kendrick Lamar, mm-hmm. which is tremendously overrated. I would put rap album or rap music and Cancer for Cure over Good Kid, Mad City, yeah. even though I do love that album. Okay. Um, but yeah, they basically got together this year. Um, they've worked together a lot. Uh, LP has featured on Killer Mike's and produced his last album, uh, Killer Mike features on a lot of LP different tracks. Um, and they got together with Fool's Gold Records, production company out of uh, New York um, that produced Danny Brown's last album, Triple X, one of my favorite rap albums ever. Um, and they put together this uh, album called Run the Jewels. And uh, I guess they're actually calling themselves Run the Jewels. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like the indie rap answer to Watch the Throne. And I think they're conscious of that because it does sort of come up on one of those songs. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm not as familiar with this album as you are, though I have spent some time with it. Do you know what song that is? Because um, they don't ever say th- Watch the Throne, but there's references to a throne. I think it's the on the last track, uh, which is entitled There There Will Be Some maybe explicit language in this yeah yeah i i want to keep it clean on the podcast but in this particular case it's very it's gonna be really difficult to talk about this album without at least throwing in a few curse words because there's so much on there and some of them are integrated into the lyrics that make the album so great so we're gonna go ahead so guys if it bothers you just please forgive us and uh skip ahead the last track on the album is entitled a christmas miracle (laughs) um and i think in that song killer mike says there will be no mercy me's there will be no watch the thrones um so yeah i think they're very self-aware about that well it's an answer i mean it's it's an answer it's a very good answer i know i know it's so much better and like i like watch the throne i don't think it's that Mm -hmm. bad it's got some good songs it's really uneven yeah, and I really think the function of Watch the Throne was kind of to to lower the stakes for the next Kanye album, really. Yeah, 
because uh, he did, you know, I think My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was probably a masterpiece, and most uh, mm-hmm. indie rock white Very boys good. would agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that, you know, they made Watch the Throne. Uh, like, it's a fun, kind of a fun album, and to kind of lower the stakes, which prepared us for Jesus, which I love. I don't know. You probably, uh, we've um, talked about it a little bit. I don't hate Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't like it as much as you do. But yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. And we'll go back to uh, Run the Jewels. Um, now, with this album, I think there was a lowering of the stakes as well. Yeah, that's actually really interesting because they both came into the album coming off of these huge albums for both of them. It's only 10 tracks long. It's about mm-hmm. 34 minutes long. Um and I think they both came into it with an attitude of, hey, this is just going to be kind of our fun side project. Yeah. But man, as a whole, it just comes out as... Well, they really bring it. Yeah. Like, they can't help that, I don't think. I'd, you know, with uh, rap music and Cancer for Cure, both of them, they had stuff they needed to say, you know, that they had to get off their chest. That's yes. the way I feel. I'm, you know, I am trying to fit this into a narrative because, uh-huh. you know, that's what we do. But yeah, those albums were high stakes. Uh, Cancer for Cure, probably masterpiece. Yeah, I like rap music. Also, love it. Yeah, I don't think I like it quite as much. Yeah, Cancer for Cure um, is incredible. It's almost like a concept album. Yeah, just in how how it follows its themes throughout. Um, and both of the both of their former albums are very similar too. In that they're kind of both about government tyranny. Yeah. in a lot of places and. Um, they they deal a lot with stuff like that. They're yeah. very similar rappers. I mean, in the, that. the probably the most well known song on rap music is that song Reagan that ends with the <laughs> sentence, "I'm glad Reagan dead." Yeah, like mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, these guys are dead serious yeah. about this stuff, and they they rap with conviction, which is I think what makes so makes them both so great. You know, and that we'll get into Kendrick Lamar later, but I don't think he has nearly nearly the conviction of these other two guys, and that's sort of why I think he's overrated, but. So with uh, Run the Jewels, I almost think, I, I don't necessarily think it's a better album than those two previous albums, but I think I like it more, and it's a lot more fun, you know? It, it's so much fun. It I is. mean, uh, there's something about it being so short, too, that um, there's something about a short album to me. It's the same thing that kind of hit me with uh, Radiohead's um, King of Limbs. It's just such a quick listen and just consistently it's a lot easier to stay consistently great yeah. over a 34 minute 10 song span but man there there's no filler in this album i know just, and they just burn right through each song man absolutely and at moments in the album uh, like between track five and six uh you can't even tell that the song is switched they really i mean they yeah they do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You're the, the, you're the musician. Yeah, the Absolutely. sequencing is wonderful on that mm-hmm. album. Yeah, part of the reason why I love really short albums is because they really do leave you wanting more. And that's a problem uh-huh. with so many rap albums. Like, even really great ones like, you know, Stinkonia or Dr. Dre 2001, which, yeah, it's a silly album, yeah. but I still love it. There's so many songs. They're so long. And Stinkonia especially, man. Yeah. That is... You got you got to prepare yourself I before you... Well, let me tell you what I did with that. Mm-hmm. I've... I wouldn't cut out all the the spoken interludes. No, not at all. They're you don't. You would have. I have. Oh, you have. <laughs> I like the spoken interludes. Oh, they just get old. Yeah, you know. They just I get mean, old. it's not. It's just not something I really want to listen to in the car. Honestly, yeah. like. Anyway, so yeah, this album gets done really, really quick, 
and they even though they don't have the heavy themes of the previous both guys previous two albums there's still some heavy themes yeah <laughs> there's still heavier themes than almost every other rapper working today like they still rap with conviction even if they've loosened up and you know there there's a lot of vaunting and braggadocio and yeah yeah there. and they're so good at it they're so good at it a lot of heavy themes but for the most part it's about beating the life out of other rappers yeah or just <laughs> <laughs> well, well you know they I, I don't know if you followed it recently, but Kendrick Lamar had kind of got into trouble for doing a thing, doing a little takedown. It was, it was like an eight-bar track takedown. control. Yeah, yeah. Awesome track. I you mean, know, his verse on it is. You know what? I haven't heard the song, but I've read the lyrics. And oh, I've, I've read like other rappers reacting to it and like, being insulted. I was like, have you guys forgotten that you're rappers? Like, yeah. This is what you do. I mean, you go back and listen to like uh, this, the second track on Jay-Z's The Blueprint. Have you heard that? The Takeover? Uh-huh. Where he, I mean, there's a verse where he just brutally takes down Nas. And mm-hmm. it's like... 24 bars like it's so long yeah it's a whole takedown of one person and it takes down mob deep in the same song i don't know and there's another version of it that's longer where he ta- talks about other people too hmm. it's like that used to be what rap was yeah and now killer mike and lp there's a video of them like that they <laughs> i don't know if it's for pitchfork or somebody where they came out in response saying this is exactly what rappers should be yeah. doing like did we forget that this is what we do you know yeah on on that uh, kendrick track he he calls out everyone and even he calls out people on the same track with him like uh and i think like what the controversy was is towards the end of the track he says um uh something about how he's trying to murder them like he <laughs> he likes their rap but he's trying to murder these people figuratively of course it's yeah. figurative <laughs> I don't know. I I just think it's ridiculous that that was such a big deal. And like rappers acting like they were insulted by it. Yeah. It's like, of course you were. Step your game up. Like that's the point. The whole thing should be about challenging challenging each other to be better. But I do want to talk about Kendrick Lamar a little bit because I got in a little bit of a <laughs> Facebook scuffle with somebody about yeah. Kendrick. I don't know six months ago or something. <laughs> which you know obviously doesn't mean anything. You want to call him out right here? No. Oh no no no. <laughs> His kidding. what I what I had initially posted was that. I just don't, I didn't even know, I put this on like, I don't know if I like rap music anymore because it's, with the exception of those two albums, like the LP and Killer Mike, although I will admit that I came to the LP album later, but really the, at that time, the Killer Mike album was the only album from 2012, the only rap album that I really liked. Yeah. And there is some gangster stuff on there, but for the most part, he, you know, like I said, he's got conviction and he yeah. has some things he's trying to stand for and... <clears throat> uh with Kendrick, I just he's a great rapper. His flow is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I think that album is the beats are not all that great. The it has a consistent tone, but a lot of the songs don't have much kinetic energy. Like ah oh man, I just think it's overrated more than anything. It's a, it's really good. And what he's being lauded for the most is like being a really great storyteller and creating a narrative that lasts the whole album. My thing is like his narrative is not nearly as elaborate and interesting as like what Ghostface and Raekwon were doing 10, oh, 15 yeah. years ago. Like yeah. Not even close. People are acting like what this guy did was revolutionary. You know, no, it's just good. He's good, you yeah. know, but he's not like a savior of narrative rap or anything. Yeah, like Raekwon's still around. Like he, Cuban Links Part 2 came out like three years ago yeah. and it's really awesome. Just, just because Kendrick Lamar decided to add like the flicker of the projector in the background of his like yeah um i mean yeah it's a, it's a cool idea and it definitely is well executed but yeah it's like they're acting like this is something new and again i'm not saying it's bad it's just not i just feel like it's overrated 
That's all. Yeah. It's a top heavy album, definitely. Yeah. Too. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, I think I, people can mistake sometimes for something better than it is whenever mm-hmm. those first two songs out of the gate are just man really i, I really like the last track the one with dr dre i uh-huh. like that one too and everybody loves swimming pool although it's usually like the stupidest song on that album yeah really dumb i mean which makes sense because it's the most popular one for but, two like goofy songs about not i heard i think they're two similar songs but i mean don't kill my vibe is yeah. like definitely the superior song to that i'd yeah. say I, that one's really good i think my favorite is backseat freestyle oh absolutely i mean yeah, yeah. just that little that hook the kendrick had a dream hook yeah yeah that's pretty much it that sets it apart anyway not a bad album just a little overrated so you got anything else you want to say about uh watch the jewels you know you saw killer mike and lp I when did. they played at the firebird in st uh-huh. louis missouri tell us about that um it, that was a couple months ago uh, it was a show for Run the Jewels. It started with um, Cool AD from Das Racist and um, Rest in Peace. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was awesome. I've I've been a big fan of him for a while. And then Despot played, and Despot's had um, plenty of features. He actually doesn't have a full length album, but he. He features on rap music, Cancer for Cure, um, Das Racist, um, Relax. He he has features everywhere, and he's always just consistently kills it. Um, and then Killer Mike and LP, who did two separate sets. Um, they both played the majority of those 2012 albums that we were talking about, Cancer for Cure yeah. and rap music. And then at the end, they both came out and performed eight of the ten songs <laughs> on "Run the Jewels." Oh man, man, it was a, uh, um, it was probably the best hip hop show I've ever been to. Yeah, um, definitely in my top shows I've ever seen. Uh, they just, uh, they just have a stage presence that you can kind of hear on the album, like. Killer Mike doesn't move very much. He just kind of stands there with his arms crossed. I don't think he has much of a choice. <laughs> he's, <laughs> but, a, he's a large man. Oh, he's a... Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was great. They all came out afterwards and um, got to meet all of them. And uh, yeah, it was a great show. Uh, that album for me is probably my favorite album of 2013 so far. Yeah. Um, that being said, I don't listen to a lot of new music <laughs> yeah, whenever yeah. it comes out, so it's one of the only 2013 albums I've heard. You but. came down pretty hard as a rap guy. Which yeah, is kind of a surprise. That's for me. recent. I never would have guessed that. Uh huh. It's a. Uh, um, I just kind of got into it through a friend, my roommate actually, and um, uh, I don't know. I've always been a rock kind of. I've always just really enjoyed rock, but um. This is the first time that my iPod has ever been more hip hop than it has been rock. Um, I don't know. It, it just it's so new to me still. Like there's still huge albums that I haven't heard, um, and just all of my knowledge of hip hop is within the last like two years. Yeah. So then for something like this to come out that is just hip hop in its core, it's just rap in every single way just talking about torturing mcs and tying <laughs> up their feet um mil or uh, killer mike says that he shoots a poodle i know that's the first point. track it's so funny he's, he's robbing a family 
and then kills their poodle. It, it, you know, and it's great because the way that's structured, he, he brings it up. He says, I'm, I'll, I'll put a pistol on your poodle. Mm-hmm. And then a few other lines go by, and then he kills the poodle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I like that he came back to it. It wasn't just like some throwaway line. He actually called he, back. He has a lot of those. A lot of Killer Mike's better verses on the album end with him threatening just other <laughs> MCs or just man the the song banana clipper that second track on there which has big boy on it mm-hmm. um and is just such an awesome like the the double dose of atlanta in that song yeah. is just really it's potent it's good um but uh talks about um killing mcs and then sending their mother a letter <laughs> and telling her that she quote raised a couple f- <laughs> and next time she should do better i know that's the very end of the song too <laughs> yeah. yeah next time do better and um <laughs> my favorite one comes like a verse before that where he's talking about he says i'll be at uh i'll be the reason that your wife wants a divorce <laughs> Be at your crib with your kids screaming your fort. <laughs> <laughs> so I just so imagine. I did, doesn't, uh, don't they say boys at some other oh, part yeah. of the album too? Oh, yeah. what, what is a boy? I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> I don't want to be one. That's I'm, all I know. I'm, <laughs> I want to think that they invented it specifically for the album. There's no way that's true, but still. <laughs> uh, see, no, I think I think they actually say that on Cancer for Cure, too. If you oh. listen to all three of those albums, that uh, especially Killer Mike takes things from rap music, like um, the that same track, Banana Clip, um, Killer Mike starts out the song saying, I move with the elegance of an African elephant, yeah. which is... I think brought up twice on right. rap music. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's a line that Killer Mike's been using for who knows how long. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another thing about it. It's just, you can also sense the love between these two guys. Oh, and totally. just like, they call each other by their first names. I know. Sometimes. He calls, uh, I know Killer Mike calls him Jamie he at calls some him point. Jamie and um, just um, complimenting. LP and Killer Mike, um, the first track, uh, no, maybe maybe it's the second one. Um, Killer Mike says, um, uh, producer gave me a beat, said it's That's the beat of the year. I said LP didn't do it, so get out of here. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite That's lines in the whole like, thing. That makes yeah. me smile to like think that these people who are murdering poodles and <laughs> boys, um, like still just have this camaraderie and uh it's just something that you can sense on the entire album yeah uh really the, good stuff part of the reason that it works so well and we'll wrap this up yeah but part of the reason that the, i think this album works so well like we were talking about bragging and vaunting and rap music and trying to make each other be better now only one person one rapper can be the best in any given yeah. time i think right now there are probably two and it's probably both of these guys yeah and it could be I'd say there's one more, but who's the other? Danny Brown. Danny Brown, right. Okay. Well, sure. <laughs> well, this just yeah, yeah this might be up, sorry. You know, there can only be one greatest. When this like I whatever. So if there can only be one greatest rapper mm-hmm. or two greatest rappers at the same time in this particular case, 
those are the only ones that are going to ring true when yeah. you listen to it. Now, that was true back to, in the blueprint we talked about with Jay-Z, mm-hmm. where he was able to say, greatest rapper alive. Absolutely. And in the Black Album, because that's... Uh, I think that's how uh, Dirt Off Your Shoulder ends is the phrase greatest rapper yeah. alive several times. And at the time, he probably was yeah. the greatest rapper alive. And he's he, still saying it, and it's, uh, it's less not true, true now. Anymore. Yeah. yeah. So these guys are pretty much saying that in this album. Like, mm-hmm. that's more or less what it's about, like a celebration of how great they are. Yeah. And it doesn't come off as, well, it comes off as egotistical, but it's also sincere, and it's it's right. Like, they're not delusional. Yeah. You know, and I think the lack of, the lack of delusion is what makes it great mm-hmm. so yeah there, there's just the attitude on this album is just uh it's it's just unprecedented like in a, in a lot of rap music right now just uh the way that they come come to things but uh yeah let's go on to the next thing cool what do you want to talk about third um third uh i chose watchmen um, You're gonna have to do the heavy lifting. Cause it's been so long since I read this book. Or all right, saw the movie. Watchmen is one of my favorite books of all time. It's a graphic novel. Uh, actually, just a it's a twelve piece series by um, Alan Moore, um, who wrote stuff like V for Vendetta and um, uh, you know other things. Swamp mm-hmm. Thing. He uh, he's one of the biggest names in comics yeah, for sure. Very prolific comic book writer. Um, this uh, Watchmen, uh, I I think I read it for the first time whenever I was a freshman in high school. I actually, I was one of the few times that I did use torrents was mm-hmm. um, to torrent comic books. Yeah, I know people that do um, that. Just as PDFs, basically. Um, so I read through that, and um, I've probably read it five or six times since. Um, and it's, re- it's really a really meaningful book to me just because uh i am dyslexic oh yeah so like something about um just it being presented as a graphic novel but it's still very dense still the word count in this is above other graphic novels it takes some focus and some great some brain power absolutely yeah you gotta pay you gotta pay attention which is not normal there are things i didn't catch in this until there's things that i still notice that i had never noticed before whenever i reread it mm-hmm. um so uh yeah it's um how'd you find it who who introduced you to watchmen i think i was just reading an article like about the best graphic novels or something um it was really soon after i had read the dark knight returns oh um, yeah soon after sin city had come out mm-hmm. so um that was just kind of a period for me where i was get really getting into um, kind of that, gra- those graphic novels, just because there there's so much adult content packed into them, but I didn't have to read it in a book, which I was, yeah, a, a bit adverse to whenever I was younger. Sure, sure, yeah. I discovered Watchmen through my dad. Actually, my dad's awesome. a huge reader, and yeah. you know, there, you know, with music and movies, really, he'll have to apologize for like having been there. If we watch a movie with nudity or too much cursing, it's like, oh, they're just way too much. Yeah, kind of thing. But he'll read anything, and mm-hmm. you know, I think it's because it's more of a private endeavor. You know, you're not reading it or experiencing it with someone like with a book, with any book. Unless you're like in a kindergarten class <laughs> reading it aloud yeah. to a bunch of kids, like it's not a shared experience. So 
Anyway, Dad wound up recommending this book to me, and he got it from the Time Magazine's 100 Greatest Books of All Time. And it was, yeah, it was the that's only, the, it's the only graphic novel on that list. Yeah, so that's what piqued his interest, and Dad told me about it. No, I'd heard about it from the internet, mm-hmm. and I think maybe even at that point, you know, well, the movie adaptation was a long time coming. Yeah. Uh, I know Terry Gilliam was attached to do it at some point, and several other directors. I think even Tim Burton. It's an HBO miniseries in the yeah. works. And eventually it wound up being, you know, a Zack Snyder movie, which yeah, we talked about it a little bit on the last Double episode. Double Zack Snyder week. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. But yeah, that book is so good, man. Yeah. It, um, man, that, that was a book that really probably the first time I read it didn't get as much out of it as um, I have since. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably around the second or third time that I read it, like while I was in high school, that it really started to um affect me um just because like the world's end um uh watchmen a lot is about kind of identity and how you see yourself um and trying to recapture past glories yeah yeah um so watchmen for me as just kind of a uh high school student who didn't really have a group that he fit into and um, was just has always been struggling with his identity. That was like some of the <laughs> once you read beyond the surface of some of those panels, it's like, oh, they can only have sex whenever their costumes are I on. Know, like that. Yeah. That's one of the more heavy-handed examples right. in the book and in the movie, especially. Oh, the movie that scene. <laughs> the, the worst scene in the movie, like, yeah, absolutely, unquestionably. Mm-hmm. The weird juxtaposition with the. I was just talking to well, one of my friends. She's, she's probably going to do an episode in the future, but like we were talking about how heavy-handed that scene is with the use of the uh, Hallelujah, yeah. the Leonard Cohen. The thing about the scene is the way it's shot is almost frame for frame the way it happens in the comics. Uh-huh. Um, but it's with the juxtaposition of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah playing. So weird. Like, I mean, it makes you really uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, which is kind of the point. But oh, um, man, it wasn't not a pleasant experience to watch that. Well, since you brought that up, actually, you asked me to bring in a story about um, one of these. So I chose this, and it has a lot to do with that scene right there. All right, let's hear it. Um, This is what this is is all about. (laughs) Watchmen, the motion picture, came out uh, in 2009, I believe. 2008 or 2009. Sure. Um, yeah, it was 2009 because the trailer for it featuring that Smashing Pumpkin oh, song yeah. debuted which, before The Dark Knight. Yeah, which, came out which is funny because that song was from the Batman, Batman and Robin movie. Yeah, Batman yeah and it was Robin. like a remix of it. Mm-hmm. There was a the beginning is the end is the beginning, mm-hmm. and then one of them is the end is the beginning is the end. Right. Good I job, think Billy. I think it's the second one yeah. actually. Yeah. The more like dark. Well, they're both pretty dark, but the one's more electronic. Yeah, one of them's very zeitgeisty and then the other one is very good the one that they use in the watchman trailer is awesome it's i love that composition cool. yeah. yeah um but basically i had seen this trailer i had already read the comic um i was fortunate enough to have read the comic before i'd even heard about like talks of the movies um I just say fortunate because I like to be the dude who sat, who had heard of it before sure, the movie sure. came who out. Sure, who doesn't, man? Yeah, who doesn't? Absolutely. Let's, let's just be honest. Um, it feels great. Also, that being said, I was the same kid that went to Hot Topic and bought a Watchmen poster, which is still hanging up in my living room. Um, it's over here. Yeah, it's around on the other 
I can't see it. We'll take a photo or something. Um, and a Watchmen t-shirt. Because um, I was like, yeah. Um, I was very excited for the movie. Um, the Zack Snyder, I'd love 300. It came out in 2007 whenever I was a freshman. So yeah. it was like based on a graphic novel that I read while standing in a Barnes and Noble. Can I interject something? Yeah, absolutely. I like 300 and, uh, you know, preceding that, the Dawn of the Dead remake. He also oh, made, he also yeah. made SWAT, which absolutely, you know, he made SWAT SWAT. It is what it is. You know, it's not like it's, I, it's effective. I really liked SWAT whenever I was a kid. Yeah, I liked it too. But like that anyway, part where they're, so, do, uh, they're doing the training on the plane. That's mm-hmm. that scene's awesome. Ordinarily. Um, I, I love the way Zack Snyder uses music in movies. Like, uh-huh. I mean, really Dawn of the Dead and, and some of the uses of music in Watchmen are awesome. Oh, I yeah. mean, they're all taken from cues in the book. The book has undertones of music all throughout it. Yeah, um, talks a lot about music and Bob Dylan plays a big part. In it. Absolutely. It's anyway. Uh, um, but I this. <laughs> basically, I had read this comic. I had my trade back edition of it, same copy I still have, um, and. I was attending youth at my church, the same church that Andy once attended youth at. Um, Same youth pastor, too, at the Mm -hmm. time. But uh, I was trying to get people to read Watchmen. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to get um, a couple different people, and there was a girl there that I liked. Um, And I'll tell you her name off mic. After it? Absolutely. Um, That... I told him just now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll make sure we can't hear that on there. (laughs) Anyway, so I really liked this girl, and um, I I tried to get her to read it, and I think she did eventually read some of it, but whenever the movie came out, I was like, okay, let's go see this movie. Oh, boy. So I went with a group of my friends, and this girl that I had a crush on from my youth group... (laughs) um, (laughs) And we decided to go see Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Um, kind of dawned on me probably. It, it couldn't have taken long for me to decide that that was not a good choice. Um, <laughs> Zack Snyder, one liberty that he took with the movie is um, using what I like to call like ultraviolence. Yeah. Um, just, just really quick pace, sped up CGI blood. Um, hard-hitting violence, just like... How old was this girl? Um, probably not old enough to get in, right? She's younger than you, no? Yeah, she was probably a year younger than me, but this was back whenever the Springfield 8 didn't ID anybody. Right. To Did CRA you work there movies. at the time? Um, no, I okay. had worked there. Um, but... So there was that. There's uh, a scene in an alleyway where uh, the Night Owl and Silk Spectre just beat the tar out of these um knot heads and um it's it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> stylized in the movie uh you, you see some bone protruding from skin at points and, oh my. Uh, um that's followed by um a scene where rorschach um hits a man in the head with a butcher like a cleaver um murders a dude with a cleaver so that was really good. And, you know, there was a just real straight-on camera shot of that. They didn't really shy away from that. That mm-hmm. was another liberty taken with the book. But um, all just kind of came to a point during that hallelujah scene. <laughs> I'm sure it with, did. Uh, <laughs> um, 
I mean, I'm. I believe at that point in the movie, you've already seen Malin Ackerman naked, which is weird enough. Yeah. But this is a. I mean, it's not a short shot. No, it's long. Yeah, That's it's this already kind of weird, sexy song that I can't imagine she had heard up to that point. No. Um. Juxtaposed against two superheroes having sex. Like and one of them's kind of old and chubby. Oh yeah. <laughs> um so yeah needless to say that uh that relationship didn't work out it was a non-starter <laughs> <laughs> yeah nothing ended up going there but um yeah that uh that's my watchman story it was a it was a very bad experience <laughs> i i do i actually really like the movie i yeah i've seen it plenty of times since along with like the this ultra director's cut um and I, I I like the movie. Yeah. But it's good. Well, Dan, it has been a pleasure. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. All right. We'll have you on again in the future. And I think next time we've worked out, maybe we'll try a little something different. I'm, I was thinking I might be having Dan. If I ever wanted to come in and be my own guest, I'd have Dan host the show. So I, we'll, we'll do that at some point. I'll, I'll host interview you. In <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks, Dan. Man, how much fun was that? It was fun for me, at least. I don't know. Uh, what you heard there is pretty much the way it is every time Dan and I hang out. There aren't many people who I can just sit around and talk about stuff with without a real agenda and have it go on and on and on and just never stop being interesting to me. Uh, I'm not presuming that everyone found it as interesting as Dan and I did, but, you know, that's just how it goes. And, oh, yeah, get get this. On my way home from Dan's place where we recorded, I was driving and I had this warm feeling in my nose I reached to touch it with my knuckle and suddenly uh, it just started gushing blood. I decided to just try and make it and keep from staining my clothes in the carpet in my mom's car, which I'm borrowing right now. Amazingly, I was successful. I made it home without any stains. There was like blood caked all over my face though. It was totally gross. Why am I even telling you this? Uh, Because I think somehow this was Dan's fault. So thanks a lot, Dan. No harm done though. If any one of you would like to have a conversation with me that doesn't result in a heinous nasal discharge, please contact me and we'll set it up. I'm on Twitter at GoldenAgeAndy, Letterboxd also GoldenAgeAndy. I watch a lot of movies and review most of them, which you can see there on Letterboxd. Also, you can send messages to me via the Facebook page, which you can find by searching for it on Facebook or at Facebook.com slash T-G-A-O-E. Thanks for listening, and uh, see you next time.